0: Welcome to the LA Public Health Podcast for Friday, July 30th, 2021. I'm Steve Baldwin. And today's episode covers the COVID 19 press briefing held yesterday, July 29th, including an update from Dr. Barbara Ferrer, Director of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. To keep up with the latest updates and guidance on COVID 19, you can follow our department across all social media at LA Public Health or visit our website publichealth.lacounty.gov. And now, here's Dr. Ferrer.
1: Uh, Thanks so much, and and thank you, everyone, for joining me for today's briefing. Uh, This afternoon, I'll be talking about our trends in cases, hospitalizations, and deaths, and I'll provide an update on cases, hospitalizations, I already said that, and an update on vaccination coverage, information about the Delta variant and post-vaccination infection cases, Uh, information about work site compliance, and information about how we can work together to protect workers. Uh, I'll take the first slide. Uh, We are continuing to see a rise in transmission countywide, although our rate of rise slowed compared with last week. Uh, Today, we're reporting 3,248 new cases. This represents a 17% increase over last week, And it brings the total number of cases in LA County to 1,276,137. You may recall that last week's number was an 80% increase over the week prior. Our daily average case rate without the seven day lag is now 15.7 cases per 100,000. And that's an increase from last week's case rate of 12.9 new cases per 100,000. To date, nearly 7.3 million people have been tested and had test results reported in LA County. Our daily test positivity rate is 5.17%. This is an increase of less than half a percentage point uh, from last week's rate of 4.73%, which was itself an increase of nearly a full percentage point over the previous week. This suggests to us that perhaps the rate of increase uh, may be stabilizing. There are 918 people currently hospitalized with COVID-19. This is an increase of 273 people over the past week. And as a reminder, hospitalizations lag slightly behind cases and we'll continue to see, uh, we believe, uh, increased hospitalizations uh, for some time to come. There are currently 150 open investigations at residential congregate settings and non-residential settings with at least one confirmed case of COVID-19 at each site. I'm sad to report 17 additional deaths today. 16 of the people who passed away had underlying health conditions, and this brings the total number of deaths to 24,675 across LA County. We share our deepest condolences with those of you who have lost friends, loved ones, and families, and we wish you healing and peace. We'll take the next table. As you can see from this table that shows the CDC indicators and thresholds for community transmission of COVID-19, transmission in LA County is now at the high level. Uh, We have, as I just noted earlier, more than 14 new cases per 100,000. We can go on to the next next slide. With widespread transmission uh, now uh, county and nationwide, we remain focused on mitigation strategies we have available to reduce the spread of the virus. Vaccinations remain the most powerful tool we have for lowering viral transmission. In alignment with the CDC and the state, we're committed to ensure easy access to vaccines and to build vaccine confidence by answering our community's questions and providing high quality information on the science behind the vaccines. Universal masking is another key strategy for reducing transmission of COVID and other respiratory viruses, with mounting evidence that the Delta variant is contributing to high rates of infection and that it can be spread even among fully vaccinated people. Both the CDC and the state now recommend masking in all indoor public spaces for everyone, regardless of vaccination status, affirming that masking is something we can and should all do to keep each other safe. Testing and contact tracing are the third critical part of our approach to slow the spread of the infection. Both help us identify the people at greatest risk for spreading the virus to others, and they give us the opportunity to educate those who test positive about keeping themselves safe and preventing onward transmission to people both within and outside of their households. Together, these three strategies comprise a simple but powerful toolkit that we're using to getting back to slowing transmission. And everyone has a part to play, helping to educate about vaccine safety and importance, wearing the appropriate mask when indoors at workplaces and public places, getting tested if you have symptoms or had an exposure, and participating in public health follow-up if you test positive or you are a close contact. We can go on to the next slide. This graph shows the trends in cases hospitalizations and deaths in our county from the beginning of the pandemic through July 21st of this year. Cases that are represented in the green trend line have been reported at an average rate of about 2500 cases a day for the past week. This is slightly lower than the average number of cases we reported during last year's summer surge. Hospitalizations, as you can see on this graph, rise as a lagging indicator compared with cases, usually increasing about two weeks after we begin to see cases increase. And in the past, multiplying in direct proportion with cases. We're not currently seeing that pattern replicate itself during our current surge of cases. Although cases have increased by 740% over the last month, hospitalizations have increased by 180%. Fewer of our cases are becoming severely ill. Currently, 0.21% of positive cases are hospitalized. And this is much lower than the almost 6% of cases that were hospitalized during the winter surge. We're also learning that not all hospitalized patients who test positive for COVID are hospitalized with COVID illness. Some of the people included in this number are people hospitalized for medical procedures and other care who are discovered to be COVID positive through routine admission screening. However, the data we have so far suggests that most of the increases seen recently in hospitalizations are due to people being hospitalized for COVID illness and that a significant proportion of them once again are requiring ICU care. Although our seven-day average number of deaths, which is represented here by the blue line, has not begun to significantly increase, we've noted a concerning increase in our daily numbers of deaths. We'll be gathering more information about these uh, and those people that we've sadly uh, most recently lost and sharing what we learn about these new deaths as we do our best to prevent this most tragic outcome. We'll take the next slide. We've been detailing the rise of the Delta variant among strains sequenced in the LA County area for weeks. As we know, this now uh, predominant strain is more efficiently transmitted between people, likely due to its faster replication, higher viral load, and greater affinity for lower respiratory tract cells compared with earlier COVID strains. And while emerging data affirms that fully vaccinated people are well protected from severe infections with Delta variants, people with only one vaccine are not as well protected and a small number of fully vaccinated individuals can become infected and are able to infect others. This trend line shows the trajectory of the Delta variant among specimens sequenced by several labs serving Southern California, including LA county's public health lab. The number of sequences collected between July 18th and 24th that had Delta variants isolated was 675. This is 96% of all sequences collected that past week. The trend in Delta predominance is represented by the blue line on this table. This is consistent with the rise of Delta nationwide. Last week, the CDC estimated that Delta strains accounted for 83% of circulating COVID. Given that we still have close to 4 million residents uh, across the county not yet vaccinated, this risk of increased spread from this variant within our county remains high. We can take the next slide. Uh, Increased circulation of the highly transmissible Delta variant is leading to case increases across all racial and ethnic groups. This slide shows case hospitalization and death rates by race and ethnicity, from the two-week period that ended on June 19th, alongside these same metrics a month later for the two-week period that ended on July 17th. In keeping with the recent trends over the month preceding July 17th, all groups saw an increase in cases with the highest case rate observed among Black residents, whose case rate rose from 43 cases per 100,000 people to 181 cases per 100,000 people This is an increase of 320%. We also saw significant increases in the case rate for all other groups, with increases of 182% in Latinx residents, 361% among white residents, and 371% in Asian residents. It's notable and deeply troubling that the more recent case incident rate in black residents is now more than twice that of white residents, And it's also important to note that now white residents who have traditionally experienced lower case rates than Latinx and Black residents are the group with the next highest case rate. Over the same interval, hospitalization rates have been trending upward by 35 to 90% in Black, Latinx, and Asian residents. And we've seen deaths begin to trend upward among Black residents by 71%. Uh, We can take uh, the next slide. It's really Black, Latinx, and white and Asian residents have all seen deaths trend upward. Uh, This slide shows how the surge in transmission is happening in different cities and communities across the county now than it was when we compare to communities hardest hit during our winter surge. On this map, cities and communities that had the top 20 uh, case rates in the two weeks preceding January 12th of this year are marked in green. As you can see, these largely included neighborhoods in and around the northern San Fernando Valley, South LA, uh, North uh, or, or North or most North uh, County communities, and other areas with high concentrations of poverty. Meanwhile, cities and communities that now have the top 10 case rates are marked in orange. And as you'll note, these areas are located west of the formerly hard-hit communities and generally are more affluent areas. This geographic difference in communities with high case rates now compared with what we saw during our winter surge uh, really creates differences in who is being affected. So far, it does appear that transmission in these neighborhoods is being driven mostly by community spread among young adults. We're continuing to work to understand how small outbreaks in these communities might also be contributing to high transmission across uh, this set of neighborhoods. You can go on to the next slide. Given the high rates of community transmission really across the board at this point, our vaccination efforts remain critically important to reducing the impact of rising infection uh, among our residents. As of July 25th, we've administered nearly 11 million doses to residents 12 and older including more than 6 million first doses and nearly 4.9 million second doses. This means that more than 6.1 million LA County residents have received uh, one dose and almost 5.4 million are fully vaccinated. We'll take the next slide. Uh, This slide actually shows how we're doing vaccinating specific age groups of LA County residents. As of July 25th, we vaccinated 90% of LA County residents 65 and over. 71% of residents 16 and over, and 70% of residents 12 and over. We've also vaccinated 50% of LA County teens between the ages of 12 and 17. And out of our nearly 10.3 million LA County residents, including those not yet eligible for the vaccine, 60% have received at least one dose and 52% are fully vaccinated. We'll take the next slide. Uh, For the second week in a row, we saw an uptick in first dose recipients after weeks of steadily declining weekly vaccination numbers. Between July 19th and 25th, we administered just about 70,000 doses across the entire county network, and this is an increase of about 7,500 doses from the previous week. And this, I want to note, is the second week that we've seen this increase in vaccinations. And we remain immensely grateful to everyone in this county who has done and continues to do their part by getting vaccinated. Our sense of urgency to increase vaccination among our residents remains high, and we're grateful for these signs of increased vaccination uptake. Take the next slide. Although we do continue to have large gaps in vaccination between age and racial and ethnic subgroups, the uptick in vaccinations these past two weeks allows us to see changes in many of the groups with lower vaccination coverage. The numbers on this slide are now color coded to show the changes in the past week. Proportions that increased by one point since we last reported them are listed in blue. Those that increased by two are listed in green and those that increased by three are listed in pink. Proportions that didn't change at all are in white. Disproportionalities remain as it's apparent when you look Uh, at this slide, especially among our teens and young adults. Among both the 12 to 15 and the 16 to 17 age groups, about one-third to one-half as many Black and Latinx teens, and about two-thirds to three-quarters as many white and American Indian Alaska Native teens are getting vaccinated as their Asian counterparts. However, with the start of the school year approaching, we're glad to see large increases in vaccination across racial and ethnic subgroups in teens ages 12 to 17. Meanwhile, among young adults 18 to 29, and 30% of Black adults and 45% of Latinx adults have been vaccinated. And this is compared to 60% of white and at 78% of Asian residents, between one half to two thirds fewer. This disproportionality also persists among our 30 to 49 year olds. In this group, vaccination rates among Black adults are one-third to nearly one-half lower than rates among their Asian and white counterparts. However, as you can see, we saw uh, increases in most racial and ethnic subgroups uh, of these age groups. Looking at the totals by age group running across the bottom of this table, you'll note that vaccination rates are generally higher in older age groups. And with the transmission uh, on the rise, uh, we're particularly grateful that so many of our older people are protected by vaccines. And while we're glad to see the gains among younger adults, uh, we need the vaccination levels to rise much higher to reach a level of community immunity. There remains enormous risk with the persistent gaps among young and middle aged adults, many of whom are such an important part of our workforce. Looking at the totals in the rightmost column, you can see that the groups with the highest rates of transmission, hospitalization, and deaths continue to have the lowest levels of vaccination. With transmission continuing to rise, we do remain very concerned about low levels of vaccination among our Black residents and other teens and young adults. However, we're hopeful that the small increases on this chart will turn into larger ones as more adults and teens get vaccinated in the the near coming weeks. In the meantime, complying with the indoor masking requirement will help us get back to reducing community transmission rates while vaccination rates increase. Slowing the spread not only protects our vulnerable unvaccinated residents, it also reduces the chances of more mutations that can result in more infectious variants that evade our vaccine protection. Take the next slide. As many know, uh, the week before last, we issued a health officer order that required masking in all indoor public settings. This decision was based not only on the rapid increase in cases we saw in L.A. County, but also on the knowledge that most of these cases are caused by the Delta variant. The science on this variant shows that it is different from earlier variants of COVID. It replicates faster and more efficiently in respiratory tract cells which means that infected people may now spread up to a thousand times more virus particles with every cough, sneeze or shout than they did a year ago. They may also spread virus efficiently two days earlier in their illness course than did people who were infected a year ago. A more infectious variant indicates infected people have more opportunities to transmit virus and they can do so more efficiently before they realize they were even exposed. And while vaccinated people are extremely unlikely to get severely ill from COVID, there is a small risk of getting infected and transmitting the virus. This is why we're asking everyone to wear a mask, regardless of vaccination status. Since the health officer order requiring indoor masking went into effect on July 17th, we're obviously working with our businesses to make sure that everyone's able to be compliant. Between July 17th and the 23rd, Uh, We visited uh, over 1,000 restaurants, bars, uh, over 200 food markets, hotels, gyms, fitness centers, hair salons and barbershops, food manufacturing plants, personal care businesses, and shopping malls, among other businesses. And overall, we found very good compliance with the health officer order, and we want to thank all the businesses who are helping their consumers and their employees protect each other by requiring everyone to mask up. Next site, the evidence uh, continues to show that vaccination is offering the most protection from COVID. And we continue to make it as easy as possible for eligible LA County residents to get vaccinated by offering vaccines at many different sites across the county with uh, almost no need to, at most of these sites to have a, an appointment. And uh, it's pretty much barrier free uh, as you come in uh, to be able to get vaccinated. Uh, We have 772 sites this week offering vaccinations, and this is at pharmacies, clinics, community sites and hospitals. Uh, Please note that many of these sites are open on the weekends and they have evening hours. And as always, you can check vaccinatelacounty.com to find a site near you. We can go on to the next slide. Uh, We're continuing with the strategy for improving access to vaccines by having a mobile vaccination teams that can take vaccines to places where we can reach people that are not yet vaccinated. You see these blue markers, uh, they indicate the 322 sites where our mobile teams are offering vaccinations this week. Our mobile teams work to get vaccinations into the neighborhood places where people are gathering, and they're eager to make vaccines easy, easily available to all of you. You can actually request a mobile team on our website. And meanwhile, please look for our teams at places in your community where people are coming together. Next slide. Uh, We'll always continue to share weekly information we have on vaccine effectiveness. This slide now shows data for those fully protected from the vaccines to scale. The large green box represents the more than uh, 4.9 million residents who are fully vaccinated. The tiny purple box in the left lower corner of the screen, the screen box, represents the 10,656 fully vaccinated people who tested positive for COVID as of July 27th, 2021. This is an increase of 63% since last week. I wanna note that this number includes people who test positive because they have symptoms, they had an exposure or, or because they took part in surveillance testing and had no symptoms at all. Of those fully vaccinated people who tested positive, 410 have been hospitalized. That's up from 287 the week prior. This translates to an increase from 0.006% to 0.008% of among all fully vaccinated people who needed hospitalization. Deaths in this group over this interval also increased very slightly From 30 to 35, and that moves the percent of fully vaccinated people who have passed away to 0.0006%. Now that's at 0.0007%. These small increases, while indicative that fully vaccinated people do become infected, and that more have become infected during the summer surge than before. Still provide compelling evidence that fully vaccinated people remain at relatively low risk for becoming infected and even lower risk for having a bad outcome if they are infected. Next slide. Uh, These uh, trend lines actually show what the numbers look like on a population level by now charting case rates among both vaccinated and unvaccinated or partially vaccinated LA County residents. As you can see over the last few weeks, case rates have risen precipitously among unvaccinated people. While cases are also rising among vaccinated people, this increase is smaller and slower than it is among unvaccinated people. Our county's case rate would likely be much higher, probably double, if we didn't have so many unvaccinated, if we didn't have so many vaccinated people. So we're extremely grateful to everyone who's helped reduce potential transmission by getting vaccinated. We can look at the next slide, uh, which actually now uh, has us looking at hospitalization rates among both vaccinated and unvaccinated or partially vaccinated. LA county residents, and you can see that over the last few weeks, hospitalization rates have increased again significantly among unvaccinated people. Meanwhile, the increase among vaccinated people while it's there is much smaller and again proceeding at a slower rate of increase. Because these numbers are presented as rates per 100,000 residents, I do want to share the hospitalization numbers as well. Between May 1st and July 17th of this year, our county had 3,167 hospitalized COVID cases. 2,925 of these, or 92%, uh, were for people who were unvaccinated or partially vaccinated. And 242, or 8%, were among people who were fully vaccinated. These trends do contribute to our certainty that vaccines are working as intended here in L.A. County. Although vaccinated people are seeing a rise in new COVID diagnosis, they're primarily experiencing their infections, not as severe illness that brings them to the emergency room, but as bad colds. As the data shows, unvaccinated people simply cannot have the same level of confidence that an infection with this virus will lead to mild illness. We can take the next slide. Uh, Because we're really interested as well in understanding how our vaccinations are protecting us against the most severe outcomes from COVID, we're closely following differences in deaths between fully vaccinated and non-fully vaccinated people. In people who die of COVID in LA County, an average of 37 days pass between the date of diagnosis and the date of death. With our case increase having begun so recently, it's therefore too early for us to assess the impact of this latest wave of infections on COVID death rates. Nevertheless, I want to show you what we do know about deaths due to COVID by vaccination status. As the slide shows between January 1st and June 30th of this year, 99.8% of all COVID deaths among LA County residents took place among unvaccinated and partially vaccinated people. While only 25 deaths or 0.2% occurred among fully vaccinated people. And although vaccines were approved during the entirety of this interval that we're representing on this graph, they were not widely available in the first couple of months of this year and therefore this graphic may not accurately represent our current situation because so many of the deaths that were represented here occurred in people who became infected before vaccines were widely available. For some numbers more representative of cases that have occurred since vaccines became more widely available, we can focus on the three months between April and June of this year. During this time, 485 or 96% of the deaths among people with COVID Uh, were in people who were not fully vaccinated, while 19 or 4% of the deaths took place among people who were fully vaccinated. Again, overwhelming evidence that the vaccines offer a lot of protection uh, to people who are fully vaccinated. We can go on to the next slide. Earlier this week, I just wanted to touch upon the fact that the state issued a new health officer order That's aimed at preserving the safety of workers, residents, and patients in a variety of high risk settings. A little less than two weeks ago, you know, we issued a county health officer order requiring masks to be worn in all indoor public settings. I want to try to explain how these new requirements translate into better protections for workers. Prevention measures that have been strengthened include face coverings and PPE, vaccine status verification, and testing. The column on the left shows the standards that were in place for each of these prevention measures in the weeks before the latest health officer orders were issued. And the column on the right shows what the new health officer orders add that helps improve the effectiveness of each prevention measure. New protections conferred by our county health officer order are in the blue text, while those conferred by the state's health officer order are in the pink text. Before these new health officer orders went into effect, Face coverings were required for unvaccinated employees indoors or in shared vehicles, with, of course, some exceptions, and for everyone while on public transit, at indoor use sites, including schools and camps, and at healthcare facilities, correctional facilities, detention centers, shelters, and at indoor mega events. Under the requirements of the new county health officer, face coverings are required for all employees and customers in any indoor public settings. This includes vaccinations, I mean, this includes work sites, and this is regardless of vaccination status. This does mean that vaccinated and unvaccinated employees and customers must always be masked when they're indoors. Another recent change relates to vaccine status verifications. Prior to the state's health officer order, self attestation was permitted for verification of employee vaccination status at work sites. With the new state health officer order that was issued earlier this week, healthcare facilities and high risk congregate settings are required to verify the vaccination status of their employees. They're required to ensure that unvaccinated employees are regularly tested, and they're required to provide certain protections for employees that are not fully vaccinated. One protection for employees is, is PPE. Before the new health officer order, employers were required to provide respirators upon request to unvaccinated employees indoors or in shared vehicles. They were also required to provide respirators when there were large outbreaks. While these rules still stand, the new state health officer order provides additional added layers of protection for workers at healthcare facilities and high risk congregate settings by requiring requiring unvaccinated employees to wear surgical masks in all indoor areas and recommending that these employees wear respirators in patient care or patient or resident accessed areas. Additionally, under the new state health officer order, unvaccinated workers must be tested at least twice a week in acute healthcare settings, skilled nursing facilities, and intermediate care facilities. Unvaccinated workers uh, need to be tested once a week in high-risk congregate facilities and all other healthcare facilities. We can take the next slide. We're all grateful that our workers uh, in LA County are back at work and we wanna make sure that our businesses thrive and stay open. Protecting workers is everybody's job. Employers, please make it easy for your employees to get vaccinated. You can request a mobile vaccination unit to come to your work site from our webpage, and please make it easy for your employees to have paid time off to get vaccinated. Adhering to Cal OSHA standards and the state and county health officer orders on masking and testing will also help reduce the risk that there will be infection transmission at the work site. For all of the workers, we thank you from the bottom of our heart for your service throughout this pandemic. Please help ensure safety by getting vaccinated if you haven't yet done so. If you're exposed to someone who's positive or ill with COVID symptoms, get tested. And if you're positive or you're a close contact of a person who's positive, follow the isolation and quarantine orders. If you feel sick, please don't come to work. And while you're at work or indoors, anywhere else in public settings, please mask up. If you aren't vaccinated, request a respirator while at work and adhere to the other Cal OSHA standards if you're in a healthcare facility or a high-risk congregate setting. As for all of us customers, we too play a positive role by wearing a face covering when we're inside a place of business and by not entering a place of business if we're not well. Let's maintain some distance from employees whenever possible. And of course, for those of us not yet vaccinated but eligible, getting vaccinated as soon as possible makes a huge difference. Keeping LA County's workers healthy allows our businesses to flourish, and this is good for all of us. We can make this possible if we all continue to do our part. Thank you, and now I'll take your questions.
0: And as a reminder to be put into queue to ask a question, uh, please click on the hand icon that's in the participant panel on the right side of your screen. Uh, Our first question will go to uh, Stephanie D'Azio with the Associated Press.
2: Oh, look, I haven't been here for a while and I still get the 1st question Um, wanted to ask if there's any evidence that the indoor masking requirement is working Um, and on the vaccine front. Do we have any surplus vaccine? And if so, how many doses have expired and are any in danger of expiring soon? Thank you so much.
1: Uh, Yeah, thanks so much, Stephanie, and I'm glad you're back. Um. Uh, So, you know, the evidence uh, that masks will work, uh, we'll need to wait uh, 14 days out uh, because of the long incubation period uh, to begin to see the real effects of masking. Uh, You know, we are uh, definitely uh, pleased that the rate of increase this week uh, didn't look like what it looked like last week. And uh, we're pleased with the high rates of compliance that we saw at many businesses and that we uh, see so many people uh, adhering to. So, Uh, You know, our hope is that we continue to stabilize and then start to see a decline in cases uh, that uh, could uh, definitely be helped by high compliance with masking and by the increasing numbers of people that are getting vaccinated. Uh, In terms of expiring doses, uh, I believe that uh, maybe it was today or yesterday um, that uh, we received a notice that for the J&J vaccines that were going to expire, I think, at the beginning of August. Uh, there's been uh, a decision that those can continue to be used uh, safely for the next 45 days. Um, so, no, we don't really have a problem with expiring doses uh, here in L.A. County. We work closely uh, with all of our vaccination partners in the state uh, to move uh, vaccines around uh, with 750 plus sites. It's uh, pretty easy to get vaccines uh, that may be expiring soon uh, over to sites that uh, have uh, you know, folks coming in to get vaccinated um, and so, you know, I would say that uh, any wastage due to expirations uh, of vaccines uh, here in L. A county has been uh, fairly low. So, thanks for that
0: right. next we'll go to uh, Claudia Peschuda with Canex.
1: Hi, uh, I have a couple of questions. How
2: much of a role do you think breakthrough cases are playing in transmission? And will the county be recommending testing for asymptomatic, fully vaccinated people following a known exposure? And then, my second question while hospitalizations are much lower now than they were in the fall, they do seem to be rising more quickly, which is kind of surprising given that so many seniors and other high risk people are vaccinated. Is there any evidence that unvaccinated people who get infected now are more likely to get seriously ill? And what might this say to you about the virulence of Delta? Thanks.
1: Yeah, thanks, Claudia. Um, so, um, hopefully I, I got these all down, um, the contributions of, of, uh, you know, cases among people fully vaccinated. Uh, to transmission rates, not yet well understood, obviously very hard with a 14-day incubation period um, to to capture that through our contact tracing. But there are, you know, scientists and researchers that are looking at that very issue. Um, And we certainly know that there has been transmission from people fully vaccinated to other people, both people who were vaccinated as well as those who were not vaccinated. Uh, It's not really clear exactly um, how much transmission is occurring. I I will say that um, the numbers are likely to be relatively low uh, in L.A. County given that the highest proportion of folks that are uh, at this point positive for COVID-19 are still occurring amongst people who are not vaccinated or fully vaccinated. In terms of the second question, uh, we've already actually… Uh, aligned our guidance to recommend that fully vaccinated people, even if they're asymptomatic on a close contact uh, with a known case, uh, should in fact go ahead and get tested. So, yes, uh, we're aligned and have changed our guidance uh, for testing, recommending again, people fully vaccinated with no symptoms who are identified as a close contact of a positive case uh, should go ahead and get tested. Uh, those folks, however, are not required. Uh, to quarantine if they don't have any symptoms, but they need to watch themselves carefully for the development of symptoms during the 14-day incubation period, and of course immediately uh, isolate themselves should they develop symptoms uh, and get tested. In terms of uh, the the last question, uh, which is uh, what do we know about hospitalizations uh, that are occurring now? Um, It it seems like there's been a a dramatic increase uh, in the number of hospitalizations. As I noted, the ratio of cases to hospitalizations is much lower now than it was uh, during the winter surge and even uh, during um, the the last summer surge. Uh, But we are looking to get more detail on uh, exactly who is hospitalized. We know that a small number of the people who are hospitalized um, and uh, counted as a COVID case, are in fact in the hospital for some other procedure, a hip replacement, uh, some uh, other medical care that's necessary, a hospital screen on admission for COVID. Uh, and there are, so there are some patients who are testing positive upon that admission screening. And obviously as community transmission uh, increases in the county, the percent of those people on admission screening who are getting a positive test is likely to go up a little bit as well. Uh, But we're working to actually be able to get, you know, primary and secondary diagnosis data uh, with our hospital partners so that we can be able to report out uh, at least some preliminary data in the next week or so about who's hospitalized, what percentage of them are people sick with uh, illness related to COVID, and what percent of them may be in the hospital for some other reason. But, But thanks for that. We'll take the next question.
0: And that'll come from Ryan Carter, Carter with the Daily News. Uh, thank you. Uh hello, Doctor. Thank you for the for, for sharing the information today. Um so I I think you were sort of tapping into my next question, which was maybe if you could explain more formally why it is a challenge, or if it even isn't a challenge, to um to uh offer data in the daily numbers. Um vaccinated versus unvaccinated in the case numbers like that seems to yeah. be a, 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 yeah. a continuing question among our readers too
1: yeah yeah no thanks thanks ryan um so there's two different databases uh one's the database that you know our people uh our test results from people who have been tested and we get the number of negative test results and the number of positive tests and then our team cleans up that database uh, to make sure we don't have duplicates that have come in. And then there's a database that you get um, for people who are vaccinated. In order for you to be able to tell amongst your new cases uh, which one of them are occurring among people who are vaccinated versus people who are not fully vaccinated, you actually have to uh, merge those databases, and they're they're entirely separate databases. Uh, and you have to use an algorithm again in that merge to make sure you're being fairly accurate. Uh, so it's both a pretty lengthy process. It's also uh, still requires some manual manipulations to make sure the databases are clean. Um, and uh, you know that that's why in in a county as large as, as ours. With, you know, as you've noted, hundreds of cases every day that we report that are new cases, uh, it would be hard for us to do this uh, on a daily basis with our numbers. but we're hopeful that, you know we do report this out on a weekly basis, um, and um, you know, that at this point uh, is providing us with fairly good information. But appreciate the question, and, and thanks for asking.
3: Our next
0: question will come from uh, Taylor Toregano with Spectrum News.
2: Hi, Dr. Ferrer. thank you for taking my question. I just wonder uh, my question is uh, directed towards schools K through 12 and I wonder, we saw that you have new uh, recommendations, but we are trying to see if there's any serious consideration of closing schools. Once again, will there be another stay at home quarantine? Are you considering this?
1: No, there, there's no consideration for closing schools. I mean, we're we're all working really hard. I want to thank all of the educators, teachers, staff, uh, principals, superintendents. Uh, I want to thank our partners at the LA County Office of Education. People have been working all summer uh, to implement uh, the safest possible reopening for uh, full in-person instruction at our schools and uh, that seems uh, to me to be uh, completely possible. Um, There are safety mitigation efforts, obviously, Uh, that are happening at every school campus. Uh, Everyone has to play their part, parents, students, uh, staff, uh, administration uh, to to create uh, as much safety as possible. Uh, There's an indoor masking requirement, which will go a long way uh, towards reducing transmission of people who are uh, possibly infected without any symptoms. Uh, You saw that there's a a long list of, of recommendations for schools to uh, you know, implement as they add additional layers of protection. Uh, there's uh, opportunities, again, you know, to do what we, what we know works really well, infection control, distancing where it doesn't interfere with your normal operations, um, you know, ha- making sure that there's a good plan in place once cases or eight cases identified. Our teams are here. We have an entire team of folks that uh, are dedicated to assisting schools in any kind of cluster, when they have identified any kind of clusters or with any outbreaks. Um, so we're all prepared to, to do our very best uh, together, uh, keep schools open. I wanna thank uh, all the parents and who have gotten their young teens vaccinated. And of course, all the teens that have gotten vaccinated and all the teachers and staff that have gotten vaccinated. I mean, we've, we've seen over and over again that uh, vaccinations is a, a game changer uh, so, when we reopen this fall, we've got the most powerful tool um, still available and uh, it helps to have staff and, and um, adults in the building vaccinated where you have small children and in those high schools and middle schools where you have a lot of teens that are vaccinated as well. Uh, this is all going to help us uh, be able to
3: uh, keep our schools open. Next question will come from uh, Mackenzie Mays with Twetica. Hi, can you hear me? Yep. Hey, so Taylor actually just asked my question um, about schools, but I did want to ask if you would recommend that schools require proof of vaccination of, of teachers and other employees the way that um, we are for city and, and state employees.
1: Yeah, you know, it's a great question. Um, and, you know, uh, we have, I think, 80 school districts here um, that will need to look at uh, how to infect uh, think about uh, vaccination verifications. Um, I do want to note, um, and I, again, I want to thank all the school districts, uh, just about every school district is has got already a robust testing program that they're rolling out uh, in the fall. So, you know, the recommendation uh, that exists so far is, you know, people who are fully vaccinated uh, don't need to necessarily participate in that routine testing, but that you should be able to offer it for people in your school community that are not fully vaccinated. And, uh, you know, most of the school districts will have that testing capacity uh, when schools open. Uh, And I think the districts will will have to, you know, examine for themselves and work with their labor partners on that verification process. Uh, You know, the most important piece uh, to this uh, to this effort, I think is being able to encourage everybody who is eligible to get vaccinated. We can take the next question.
0: All right, we'll go to uh, Marla
1: Tellers with uh, Fox 11 News. Hello, Dr. Pereira. Thank you so much
2: for having this briefing and taking our questions. I have two um, sort of explainers. Um, so looking at the map of LA county that shows the current location for the surges for the surge and you said that th- these are the more affluent neighborhoods. So can you kind of talk about the discrepancy of those seemingly had the higher vaccination rates? Those particular neighborhoods, um, if you could talk about that and now that they do hold um, a lot of these new cases, I'm interested in that. And then also um, I interviewed. An infectious disease specialist from Cedar Sinai today, Dr Gandhi, and she um, was speaking to the fact that hospitalizations there. She's seen a lot of 20 to 40 year olds. And it's really, if you could just elaborate on the fact that it is that age group that is not just getting COVID, but, but really, really sick. And at that point, regretful that they didn't get the vaccine.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much for both questions. Um, in terms of the uh, the current locations that we were highlighting, those are are uh, communities that have seen a, a lot of increases in their case rates. I, I want to be I want to be um, as clear as possible that a uh, case case increases happening across the board. I I was looking the other day. I don't think there are really uh, hardly any uh, communities of any measurable size that haven't seen a, a significant increase in in their cases. So everyone has seen increases. These were just uh, some of the communities with the highest increases. Um, and when we looked into who was infected in those communities, um, what we saw were uh, lots of younger people uh, who were infected. And again, you know, every time I, I put up the data, it's crystal clear that vaccination rates among younger people across the board in LA County are much lower than they are for older people. And uh, with many more opportunities for intermingling, um, and I think particularly for people with resources uh, who now can go out and about more, everything's open. You know, you could spend an evening at a bar, you could spend an evening, you know, at a restaurant now, uh, indoors as well as outdoors. Uh, You can go to large parties. Um, You know, for people who uh, aren't vaccinated and aren't taking any precautions when there's a lot of community transmission. Um, there's a lot of risk, uh, and we have much lower rates of vaccination uh, in these younger populations. And uh, so, you know, I don't, I don't know that it's so surprising um, that we're seeing uh, the increase there, uh, because in fact, uh, with, with resources and opportunity, there's probably more intermingling in some of these communities. Than in other communities, and particularly there may be more intermingling indoors in higher risk settings for people who are not fully vaccinated. And I do appreciate uh, the notice that, you know, we have a lot more younger people hospitalized Uh, last week. I did show um, some data or yeah, I think it was last week um, uh, that showed who's in the hospital. What do the trend lines look like? Where have we seen increases? Uh, in hospitalizations. You know, unfortunately, older people who do get sick are still more likely to be hospitalized. But you're absolutely right, you know, for the first time we have have many more younger people, uh, particularly, you know, in that age group of, you know, really we call it 18 to 49 uh, who are hospitalized at a higher rate now than they've been before. Um, And again, you know, much less likely to be vaccinated uh, and and while, you know, in general, younger people are healthier, and that contributes to the fact that uh, we don't have the same rate between cases and hospitalizations as we saw during the surge, uh, this virus causes really, really serious illness uh, among both healthy people and people who aren't so healthy. Um, so for everyone who's out there not yet vaccinated, uh, you know, uh the virus can make you very, very sick. And and that's what we're seeing in our hospitals now. So thanks for that.
0: Unfortunately, it's uh we're right up against our time for today. Uh Dr. You have any closing comments?
1: No, just again, always my thanks and deep appreciation to everyone in the media. Uh thanks for, you know, making sure information is getting out to all of your listeners and viewers and appreciate everything you're doing.
0: Thank you for joining us today. If you uh, would like to stick around for Spanish comments, we'll begin those at 3 o'clock.
3: Okay. All right. Uh,
2: welcome everyone to uh, the Spanish briefing for today, July 29th. Uh, Monica, you may begin when you're ready. Uh, thank you, Kim. Uh, Gracias. Sorry, let me get this shared properly here. Okay. There we go. Sorry about that. No problem. Uh, there we go. All right. Go ahead.
4: Thank you. Okay, so I will start now then. Gracias por acompañarnos en la sesión informativa de hoy. Esta tarde hablaremos sobre nuestras tendencias en casos, hospitalizaciones y muertes y brindaremos una actualización sobre casos, hospitalizaciones y muertes. Una ad- actualización sobre la cobertura de, vac- de vacunación, información sobre la variante Delta y los casos de infección tras la vacunación, el reporte del cumplimiento en los lugares de trabajo, e información sobre sobre protecciones laborales adicionales. En esta diapositiva seguimos viendo un aumento en el contagio en todo el condado, aunque nuestra tasa de aumento se ha desacelerado. Hoy estamos reportando 3,248 casos nuevos, un aumento del 17% con respecto a la semana pasada, lo que eleva el número total de casos en el Condado de Los Ángeles a 1,276,137. Quizás recuerde que la semana pasada hubo un aumento del 80% con respecto a la semana anterior. Nuestra tasa de casos promedio diaria sin el retraso de 7 días es ahora de 15,7 casos por 100.000 personas, un aumento con respecto a la tasa de la semana pasada de 12,9 casos por 100.000. A la fecha, casi 7,3 millones de personas se han hecho la prueba y sus resultados se han informado al condado de Los Ángeles. Nuestra tasa diaria de casos positivos con pase en las pruebas es del 5,17% un aumento de menos de medio punto porcentual, 0,44, con respecto a la tasa de la semana pasada de 4,73%, que en sí mismo fue un aumento de casi un punto porcentual completo con respecto a la semana anterior. Esto también nos sugiere que nuestra tasa de aumento puede estar estabilizándose. Actualmente hay 918 personas hospitalizadas con COVID, un aumento de 273 personas con respecto a la semana pasada. Actualmente hay 150 investigaciones abiertas en entornos residenciales colectivos y entornos no residenciales con al menos un caso confirmado de COVID-19. Nos entristece informar hoy 17 muertes adicionales. 16 de las personas que murieron tenían problemas de salud subyacentes. Esto eleva el número total de muertes a 24,675 en el Condado de Los Ángeles. Compartimos nuestro más sentido pésame con aquellos de ustedes que han perdido amigos, seres queridos y familiares, y les deseamos a libre paz.
3: Next slide, please. Como puede ver en esta tabla que muestra los indicadores y umbrales de los
4: Centros para el Control y Prevención de Enfermedades, CDC, por sus siglas en inglés, para la transmisión comunitaria del COVID-19, la transmisión en el Condado de Los
3: Ángeles está ahora en el nivel alto. Next slide, please. Con la transmisión generalizada
4: ahora en el condado y en todo el país, nos mantenemos enfocados en las estrategias de mitigación que tenemos disponibles para reducir la propagación del virus. Las vacunas siguen siendo la herramienta más poderosa que tenemos para reducir el contagio viral. En consonancia con los CDC y el Estado, estamos comprometidos a garantizar un fácil acceso a las vacunas y a generar confianza en las vacunas respondiendo las preguntas de nuestra comunidad y brindando información de alta calidad sobre la ciencia detrás de las vacunas. El uso universal de cubrebocas es otra estrategia clave para reducir la transmisión de COVID y otros virus respiratorios. Con la creciente evidencia de que la variante Delta está contribuyendo a altas tasas de infección y que puede ser transmitida incluso por personas completamente vacunadas, tanto los CDC como el Estado ahora recomienda que todas las personas usen mascarilla en el interior de todos los espacios públicos, independiente del estado de vacunación, corroborando que el uso de mascarilla es algo que podemos y debemos hacer para mantenernos a salvo. Las pruebas y el rastreo de contactos son la tercera parte fundamental de nuestro enfoque para frenar la propagación de infecciones. Ambos nos ayudan a identificar a las personas con mayor riesgo de contagiar el virus a otras personas y nos brindan la oportunidad de educar a quienes reciben resultado positivo sobre cómo mantenerse a salvo y prevenir la transmisión a personas tanto tanto dentro como fuera de su hogar. Estas tres estrategias juntas comprenden un conjunto de herramientas sencillas pero poderosas que estamos utilizando para volver a desacelerar el contagio. Y todas tienen un papel que desempeñar para ayudar a educar sobre la seguridad e importancia de las vacunas, usar la mascarilla adecuada en el interior de los lugares de trabajo y públicos, hacerse la prueba si tiene síntomas o estuvo expuesto, y participar en el seguimiento de salud pública si la persona resulta positiva en la prueba o tuvo contacto
3: cercano con alguien infectado. Next slide, please. Este gráfico muestra las tendencias de casos, hospitalizaciones
4: y muertes en nuestro condado desde el comienzo de la pandemia hasta el 21 de julio de este año. Los casos representados aquí por la línea de tendencia verde se informaron a una tasa promedio de alrededor de 2,500 casos al día durante la semana pasada. Esto es un poco más bajo que el número promedio de casos que reportamos durante el pico del verano, verano del año pasado. Las hospitalizaciones, como puede ver en esta gráfica, son un indicador rezagado en comparación con los casos que por lo general aumentan entre dos y tres semanas después de que se empieza a ver un aumento de casos y se multiplica en proporción directa con los casos. Actualmente, no estamos viendo que ese patrón se repita durante nuestro aumento actual de casos. Aunque los casos han aumentado en un 740% durante el último mes, las hospitalizaciones han aumentado en un 180%. Menos de las personas que contraen COVID se están enfermando gravemente. Actualmente, el 0,21% de los casos positivos son hospitalizados. Eso es mucho más bajo que el 5,76% de los casos hospitalizados durante la ola invernal. También estamos aprendiendo que no todos los pacientes hospitalizados que dan positivos en la prueba de COVID son hospitalizados con la enfermedad de COVID. Algunas de las personas incluidas en este número son personas hospitalizadas porque van a recibir procedimientos médicos y otros cuidados y se descubre que están infectadas con COVID a través de exámenes rutinarios de admisión. Sin embargo, los datos que tenemos hasta ahora sugieren que la mayoría de los aumentos observados recientemente se deben a que las personas están hospitalizadas por la enfermedad de COVID y que una proporción significativa de ellos requiera atención en la unidad de cuidados intensivos. Aunque nuestro promedio de muertes por siete días, representado aquí por la línea azul, aún no ha comenzado a aumentar significativamente, hemos notado un incremento preocupante en nuestro número diario de muertes. Recopilaremos información sobre aquellos que, por desgracia, hemos perdido recientemente y compartiremos lo que aprendamos sobre estas nuevas muertes mientras hacemos nuestro mejor esfuerzo para prevenir este resultado tan trágico. Next slide, please. Hemos estado detallando el aumento de la variante delta entre las cepas secuenciadas en el área del condado de Los Ángeles durante semanas. Como sabemos, esta cepa, ahora predominante, se contagia de manera más eficiente entre las personas que quizá, debido a que se replica más rápido, tiene una carga viral más alta y tiene una mayor afinidad por las células del tracto respiratorio inferior en comparación con las cepas anteriores del COVID. Y si bien los datos que han surgido afirman que las personas completamente vacunadas están bien protegidas de infecciones graves por la variante Delta, Las personas parcialmente vacunadas no están tan bien protegidas y una pequeña cantidad de personas completamente vacunadas puede infectarse y puede ser capaz de infectar a otros. Esta línea de tendencia muestra la trayectoria de la variante Delta entre las muestras secuenciadas por varios laboratorios que prestan servicios en el el sur de California, incluido el Laboratorio de Salud Pública del Condado de Los Ángeles. El número de secuencias recolectadas entre el 18 y el 24 de julio que tenían variantes delta aisladas fue de 675, es decir, 96% entre todas las secuencias recolectadas esta semana. La tendencia al predominio de delta está representada por la línea azul en esta tabla. Esto es consistente con el aumento de delta en todo el país. La semana pasada, los CDC estimaron que las cepas de Delta representaron el 83% del COVID circulante. Dado que alrededor de 4 millones de residentes en el condado de Los Ángeles aún no están vacunados, sigue siendo alto el riesgo de una mayor propagación de esta variante dentro de nuestro condado. Next slide, please. El aumento de la circulación de la variante Delta altamente contagiosa está dando lugar a un aumento de casos en todos los grupos raciales y étnicos. Esta diapositiva muestra las tasas de casos, hospitalizaciones y muertes por raza y etnia del periodo de dos semanas que finalizó el 19 de junio, junto con estas mismas métricas un mes después para el periodo de dos semanas que finalizó el 17 de julio. En consonancia con las tendencias recientes durante el mes anterior al 17 de julio, Todos los grupos experimentaron un aumento de casos con la tasa de casos más alta observada entre los residentes afroamericanos, cuya tasa de casos aumentó de 43 casos por 100 mil habitantes a 181 casos por 100 mil habitantes, un aumento de 320%. También vimos aumentos significativos en las tasas de casos para todos los grupos, con aumentos de 182 en los residentes latinos, del 361% en residentes blancos y del 371% en los residentes asiáticos. Es notable y profundamente preocupante que las tasas de incidencia de casos más recientes en los residentes afroamericanos sea más del doble que la tasa de incidencia de casos en los residentes residentes blancos y también es importante señalar que ahora los residentes blancos que tradicionalmente han experimentado tasas más bajas que los residentes latinos y afroamericanos son el grupo con la siguiente tasa de casos más alta. Durante el mismo lapso, las tasas de hospitalización han, tenido, han tendido a incrementarse entre un 35 y 90% en los res, residentes afroamericanos, latinos y asiáticos, y hemos visto que las muertes comienzan a aumentar un
3: 71% entre los residentes afroamericanos. Next slide, please. Esta diapositiva
4: muestra cómo las tasas de casos actuales en las ciudades y comunidades del Condado de Los Ángeles son diferentes a las que se vieron en el pasado. A la izquierda hay un mapa que muestra el impacto de las tasas de casos eh, al 17 de julio por 14 días en la ciudad y la comunidad. Las tasas más altas del contagio se indican en este mapa en verde oscuro, mientras que las tasas más bajas se indican en verde claro. Como puede ver, estos incluyen en gran parte vecindarios dentro y alrededor del Valle de San Fernando, el este de Los Ángeles y otras áreas históricamente desfavorecidas. Mientras tanto, las ciudades y comunidades que ahora tienen las 10 tasas de casos más altas están marcadas en naranja y como notará, están, estas áreas están ubicadas al oeste de las comunidades que anteriormente fueron muy afectadas. La diferencia geográfica en las comunidades con altas tasas de casos en comparación con el pico invernal crea diferencias en cuanto a quienes se ven afectados. Hasta ahora parece que el contagio en estos vecindarios está siendo impulsado parcial principalmente por la propagación comunitaria entre los adultos jóvenes. Continuamos trabajando para comprender cómo los brotes podrían estar contribuyendo
3: a una alta transmisión en estos vecindarios. Next slide please. Dada la alta tasa de transmisión
4: comunitaria, nuestros esfuerzos de vacunación continúan siendo de vital importancia para reducir el impacto del aumento de la infección en nuestros residentes. Al 25 de julio, hemos administrado casi 11 millones de dosis a residentes de 12 años o más, incluidas más de 6 millones de primeras dosis y casi 4,9 millones de segundas dosis. Esto significa que más de 6,1 millones de residentes del Condado de Los Ángeles han recibido una dosis y casi 5,4 millones están completamente vacunados.
3: Next slide, please. Esta diapositiva muestra cómo estamos haciendo en la vacunación de
4: grupos de edad específicos de los residentes del condado de Los Ángeles. Al 25 de julio, hemos vacunado al 90% de los residentes del condado de Los Ángeles de 65 años o más, al 71% de los residentes de 16 años o más y al 70% de los residentes de 12 años o más. Hemos vacunado al 50% de los adolescentes entre las edades de 12 a 17 años y de todos nuestros casi 10,3 millones de residentes del Condado de Los Ángeles, incluidos aquellos que aún no están en los grupos aprobados para recibir la vacuna, el 60% ha recibido al menos una dosis y el 52% está completamente vacunado. Next slide, please. Por segunda semana consecutiva y después de ver en declive los números de quienes reciben semanalmente las primeras dosis, ahora vemos un aumento. Entre el 19 y el 25 de julio administramos 69,558 dosis en toda la red del condado, un aumento de cerca de 7,500 con respecto a la semana anterior. Esta es la segunda semana que vemos un aumento en las vacunas y estamos muy agradecidos con todos en este condado que han hecho y continúan haciendo su parte al vacunarse. Nuestro sentido de urgencia para aumentar la vacunación entre nuestros residentes sigue siendo alto y estamos contentos de ver cualquier signo de una mayor
3: aceptación de la vacuna. Next slide, please. Aunque seguimos teniendo grandes brechas en la vacunación
4: entre la edad y los subgrupos raciales y étnicos, hemos visto un aumento en la vacunación durante varias semanas. Los números de esta diapositiva ahora están codificados por colores para mostrar los cambios de la semana pasada. Las proporciones que aumentaron en un punto desde la última vez que los informamos se enumeran en azul. Las que aumentaron en dos se enumeran en verde y las que aumentaron en tres se enumeran en rosado. Las proporciones que no cambiaron están en blanco. Sigue habiendo una desproporción, especialmente entre los adolescentes y los adultos jóvenes. Entre los grupos de edad de 12 a 15 años y de 16 a 17 años, entre un tercio y la mitad de los adolescentes afroamericanos y latinos, y entre dos tercios y tres cuartos de los adolescentes blancos e indígenas americanos nativos de Alaska, se están vacunando en comparación con sus homólogos asiáticos. Pero especialmente en el inicio del año escolar, Acercándose, también nos complace ver grandes aumentos de vacunación en los subgrupos raciales y étnicos en adolescentes de 12 a 17 años. Mientras tanto, entre los adultos jóvenes de 18 a 29 años, el 30% de los adultos afroamericanos y el 45% de los adultos latinos han sido vacunados, en comparación con el 60% de los blancos y el 78% de los asiáticos, entre la mitad y dos tercios menos. La desproporción también persiste entre las personas de 30 a 49 años. En este grupo, las tasas de vacunación entre los adultos afroamericanos son un tercio y casi la mitad más baja que las tasas entre sus homólogos asiáticos y blancos. Sin embargo, vimos aumentos en la mayoría de los subgrupos raciales y étnicos de estos grupos de edad. Si observa los totales por grupo de edad que se encuentran en la parte inferior de esta tabla, notará que las tasas de vacunación son generalmente más altas en los grupos de mayor edad. Y con la propagación en aumento, estamos particularmente complacidos de que muchas de nuestras personas de la tercera edad estén protegidas por vacunas. Y aunque estamos contentos por los avances entre los adultos más jóvenes, necesitaremos que sus niveles de vacunación aumenten para más, para alcanzar un nivel de inmunidad comunitaria. Sigue habiendo un riesgo enorme con las brechas persistentes entre los adultos jóvenes y de mediana edad que son una parte tan importante de nuestra fuerza laboral. Si observa observa los totales en la columna derecha, puede ver que los grupos con las tasas más altas de transmisión, hospitalizaciones y muertes continúan teniendo los niveles más bajos de vacunación. Dado que la transmisión sigue aumentando, seguimos muy preocupados por estos bajos niveles de vacunación entre nuestros residentes afroamericanos y otros adolescentes y adultos jóvenes. Sin embargo, tenemos la esperanza de que los pequeños aumentos en este cuadro se incrementen aún más a medida que en las próximas semanas se vacunen más adultos y adolescentes. Mientras tanto, Cumplir con el requisito de uso de mascarilla en interiores nos ayudará a que volvamos a reducir las tasas de contagio en la comunidad a medida que las tasas de vacunación aumentan. Disminuir la propagación no solo protege a los residentes vulnerables no vacunados, sino que también reduce las posibilidades de más mutaciones que pueden resultar en más variantes
3: infecciosas que evaden la protección de nuestra vacuna. Next slide, please. La semana anterior emitimos una orden del funcionario de salud que
4: requiere que todos usemos mascarilla en todos los entornos públicos cerrados. Esta decisión se basó no solo en el rápido aumento de casos que vimos en el condado de Los Ángeles, sino también en el conocimiento de que la variante Delta causa la mayoría de los casos. La ciencia de esta variante muestra que es diferente a las variantes anteriores de COVID. Se, re, se replica de forma más rápida y eficiente en las células del tracto respiratorio, lo que significa que las personas infectadas ahora pueden propagar hasta mil veces más partículas de virus con cada tos, estornudo o grito que lo que lo hacían hace un año. También pueden propagar el virus de manera más eficiente antes de lo que lo hacían hace un año, esto es, dos días antes en el curso de su enfermedad. Una variante más infecciosa indica que las personas infectadas tienen más oportunidades de transmitir el virus y pueden hacerlo de manera más eficiente antes de darse cuenta de que estuvieron expuestas. Y aunque es muy poco probable que las personas vacunadas se enfermen gravemente de COVID, existe un pequeño riesgo de infectarse y potencialmente de transmitir el virus. Es por eso que pedimos a todos que usen una mascarilla independiente del estado de vacunación. Desde el 17 de julio pasado entró en vigor la orden del funcionario de salud que requiere el uso de cubrebocas en interiores. Hemos estado haciendo un seguimiento para asegurarnos de que las empresas sigan las reglas. Entre el 17 y el 23 de julio visitamos 1,013 restaurantes, 9 bares, 222 mercados de alimentos, 22 hoteles, 5 gimnasios y centros de acondicionamiento físico, 11 peluquerías o barberías, 38 plantas de fabricación de alimentos, 25 negocios de cuidado personal y 10 centros comerciales, entre otras empresas. En general, encontramos un muy buen cumplimiento de la orden del funcionario de salud y agradecemos a todas las empresas que están ayudando a sus consumidores y empleados a
3: protegerse entre sí al exigirles que usen la mascarilla. Next slide, please. La evidencia continúa mostrando que la vacunación ofrece la mayor protección contra covid Para
4: que sea lo más fácil posible vacunarse para los residentes de los grupos aprobados para recibir la vacuna, continuamos ofreciendo vacunas en muchos sitios diferentes del condado. Como puede ver en este mapa, esta semana hay 772 sitios que ofrecen vacunas, incluidas farmacias, clínicas, sitios comunitarios y hospitales, y muchos de nuestros sitios de vacunación se concentran en las áreas que han sido duramente afectadas por la pandemia. Como recordatorio, puede obtener vacunas en los sitios administrados por el condado, todos los sitios administrados por la Ciudad de Los Ángeles, casi todos los sitios móviles y muchos sitios comunitarios sin cita previa. Muchos sitios abren los fines de semana y tienen horario nocturno. Visite vacunatelosangeles.com para encontrar un, un sitio
3: cerca a usted. Next slide, please. Hemos continuado con nuestra estrategia para mejorar el acceso a las vacunas al hacer que los equipos móviles de vacunación
4: lleven las vacunas a lugares donde podamos llegar a personas que aún no han sido vacunadas. Los marcadores azules en este mapa indican los 322 sitios donde nuestros equipos móviles ofrecen vacunas esta semana que se concentran en las áreas de mayor necesidad y más afectadas. Nuestros equipos móviles de vacunas trabajan para llevar las vacunas a los lugares del vecindario donde la gente se reúne y están atentos a que las vacunas estén fácilmente disponibles para usted. Puede solicitar un equipo móvil en nuestro sitio web y mientras tanto buscar a nuestros equipos en los lugares de su comunidad donde la
3: gente se reúne. Next slide, please. Continuaremos compartiendo la información semanal que tenemos sobre la efectividad
4: de la vacuna. Esta diapositiva ahora muestra a escala los datos de aquellos completamente protegidos por las vacunas. El gran recuadro verde representa a los más de 4,9 millones de residentes que están completamente vacunados. El pequeño recuadro púrpura en la esquina inferior izquierda del recuadro de la pantalla representa a las 10,656 personas completamente vacunadas que al 27 de julio del 2021 dieron positivo por covid Este es un aumento del 63% desde la semana pasada. Queremos señalar que este número incluye a las personas que dan positivo en la prueba porque tienen síntomas, estuvieron expuestos a la infección o participaron en pruebas de vigilancia, es decir, incluso si no tienen ningún síntoma. De los que dieron positivo, 410 fueron hospitalizados en comparación con los 287 de la semana anterior. Eso se traduce en un aumento del 0,006% al 0,008% entre todas las personas completamente vacunadas. Las muertes en este grupo durante este lapso también aumentaron muy poco, de 30 a 35 y de 0,0006% a 0,0007%. Esos pequeños aumentos si bien indican que las personas completamente vacunadas se infectan, y más se han infectado durante este aumento de verano que antes, aún brindan evidencia convincente de que las personas completamente vacunadas tienen un riesgo bajo de infectarse y un riesgo aún menor de tener un mal resultado si están infectados. Next slide, please. Este gráfico muestra cómo se ven estos aumentos a nivel de población al trazar las tasas de casos entre los residentes del condado de Los Ángeles vacunados y no vacunados o parcialmente vacunados. Como puede ver, durante las últimas semanas, las tasas de casos han aumentado vertiginosamente entre las personas no vacunadas. Si bien los casos también están aumentando entre las personas vacunadas, este aumento es menor y más lento que en las personas no vacunadas. La tasa de casos de nuestro condado probablemente sería mucho más alta, muy probable el doble, si no tuviéramos tantas personas vacunadas, por lo que estamos muy agradecidos con todos los que han ayudado a reducir la transmisión potencial al vacunarse. Next slide, please. Al observar las tasas de hospitalización entre los residentes del condado de Los Ángeles vacunados, no vacunados y parcialmente vacunados, puede ver que durante las últimas semanas las tasas de hospitalización han aumentado entre las personas no vacunadas. Mientras tanto, el aumento entre las personas vacunadas es mucho menor y más lento. Debido a que estos números se presentan como tasas por mil residentes, también nos gustaría compartir nuestros números de hospitalización. Entre el 1 de mayo y el 17 de julio de este año, nuestro condado tuvo 3,167 casos de COVID hospitalizados. 2,925 de estos, es decir, el 92% no estaban vacunados o estaban parcialmente vacunados, y 242, es decir, 8% estaban completamente vacunados. Estas tendencias contribuyen a nuestra certeza de que las vacunas están funcionando según lo previsto aquí en el condado de Los Ángeles. Aunque las personas vacunadas están viendo un aumento en los nuevos diagnósticos de COVID, sus infecciones no están produciendo enfermedades graves que ameriten ir a la sala de emergencia, sino que se manifiestan como resfriados fuertes. Como muestran los datos, las personas no vacunadas simplemente no pueden tener el mismo nivel de confianza en que una infección con este
3: virus provocará una enfermedad leve. Next slide, please. Debido a que estamos muy interesados en comprender qué también protege la vacuna contra los, resulta- los resultados
4: severos de COVID, estamos siguiendo de cerca las diferencias en las muertes entre personas completamente vacunadas y no completamente vacunadas. En las personas que mueren de COVID en el condado de Los Ángeles, transcurren un promedio de 37 días entre la fecha del diagnóstico y la fecha del, dia- del fallecimiento. Dado que los casos han comenzado a aumentar recientemente, es demasiado pronto para evaluar el impacto de esta última ola de infecciones en las tasas de mortalidad por COVID. No obstante, nos gustaría mostrarles lo que sabemos sobre las muertes por COVID según el estado de vacunación. Como muestra la diapositiva, entre el primero de enero y el 30 de junio de este año, el 99,8% de todas las muertes por COVID entre los residentes del condado de Los Ángeles fueron de personas no vacunadas y parcialmente vacunadas, mientras que solo 25 muertes, es decir, 0,2% fueron de personas totalmente vacunadas. Aunque las vacunas estaban aprobadas durante la totalidad del lapso aquí representado, no estuvieron ampliamente disponibles durante los dos primeros meses del año. Por lo tanto, es posible que este gráfico no represente con precisión nuestra situación actual porque muchas de las muertes representadas aquí ocurrieron en personas que se infectaron antes de que las vacunas estuvieran ampliamente disponibles. Para dar algunos números más representativos de los casos que han ocurrido desde que las vacunas estuvieran más disponibles, podemos cambiar nuestro enfoque a los tres meses entre abril y junio de este año. Durante ese tiempo, 485 o el 96% de las muertes en personas con COVID, en en personas que no estaban completamente vacunadas, mientras que 19 o el 0,1% perdón, mientras que 19 o el 4% de las muertes ocurrieron en personas que estaban
3: completamente vacunadas. Next slide, please. A principios de esta semana, el Estado emitió
4: una nueva orden del funcionario de salud destinada a preservar la seguridad de los trabajadores, residentes y pacientes en una variedad de entornos de alto riesgo y hace poco menos de dos semanas emitimos una orden del funcionario de salud del condado que requiere que se usen mascarillas en todos los entornos públicos cerrados. Queremos explicar cómo estos nuevos requisitos se traducen en mejores protecciones para los trabajadores. A medida, las medidas de prevención que se han fortalecido incluyen cubrirse el rostro, verificar el estado de las vacunas, equipo de protección personal y pruebas. La columna de la izquierda muestra las normas vigentes para cada una de estas medidas de prevención en las semanas anteriores a la publicación de estas últimas órdenes de los funcionarios de salud. La columna de la derecha muestra lo que agregan las nuevas órdenes de los funcionarios de salud que ayudan a mejorar la efectividad de cada medida de prevención. Las nuevas protecciones conferidas por la orden del funcionario de salud del condado están en el texto azul mientras que las otorgadas por la Orden del Funcionario de Salud del Estado están en rosado. Antes de estas nuevas órdenes de los oficiales de salud entrar en vigor, se requería cubrirse la cara a los empleados no vacunados en el interior o en vehículos compartidos, con algunas excepciones, y para todos mientras se, se encontraban en el transporte público o en los centros de tránsito al interior de los sitios para jóvenes, incluidas las escuelas y los campamentos, y al interior de las instalaciones de salud, correccionales y centros de detención, refugios y megaeventos. Bajo los requisitos de la nueva orden del condado, se requiere que todos los empleados y clientes se cubran la cara al interior de cualquier entorno público, incluidos los lugares de trabajo, independiente del estado de vacunación. Esto significa que los empleados y los clientes vacunados y no vacunados tienen que usar cubrebocas. Otro cambio reciente se relaciona con las verificaciones del estado de vacunación. Antes de estas órdenes de los funcionarios de salud, se permitía el testimonio personal para verificar el el estado de vacunación de los empleados en los lugares de trabajo. Con la nueva orden del funcionario de salud del estado emitido a principios de esta semana, se requiere que las instalaciones de atención médica en los entornos congregados de alto riesgo verifiquen el estado de vacunación de sus empleados, se aseguren de que los empleados no vacunados se sometan regularmente a pruebas y brinden ciertas protecciones para los empleados que no están completamente vacunados. Una protección para trabajadores es el equipo de protección personal. Antes de las órdenes del oficial de salud, los empleadores debían proporcionar respiradores a pedido a los empleados no vacunados en el interior o en vehículos compartidos. En situaciones de brotes que involucraban a 20 o más empleados, los empleadores también tenían que ofrecer respiradores a los empleados para uso voluntario. Si bien estas reglas están vigentes, la nueva orden del oficial de salud estatal brinda capas adicionales de protección para los trabajadores en las instalaciones de atención médica y los entornos congregados de alto riesgo al requerir que los empleados no vacunados usen mascarillas quirúrgicas en todas las áreas interiores y recomendar que usen respiradores durante el cuidado del paciente o en las áreas de acceso de pacientes y residentes. Además, la nueva orden del funcionario de salud estatal, los trabajadores no vacunados deben someterse a pruebas a menos dos veces por semana en entornos de atención médica aguda, centros de enfermedad especializada y centros de cuidados intermedios, y una vez a la semana en instalaciones colectivas de alto riesgo y en todas las demás instalaciones sanitarias. Next slide, please. Estamos muy agradecidos de que los trabajadores de todo el condado de Los Ángeles hayan vuelto al trabajo y queremos mantener abiertos los negocios. Proteger a los trabajadores es tarea de todos. Los empleadores no quieren que sus trabajadores entren enfermos al lugar de trabajo. Por favor, permita que vacunarse sea fácil para ellos. Usted puede solicitar una unidad de vacunación móvil para ir a su lugar de trabajo desde nuestra página web. El cumplimiento de las normas de CAL-OSHA y las órdenes de los funcionarios de salud estatales y el condado sobre el uso de mascarilla y pruebas también ayudará a reducir el riesgo de que uno de sus empleados transmita la infección a otros en el lugar de trabajo. Para todos los trabajadores, les agradecemos su servicio durante esta pandemia. Por favor, ayude a garantizar la seguridad vacunándose si aún no lo ha hecho. Si está expuesto a alguien que es positivo o está enfermo con síntomas de COVID, hágase la prueba. Y si es positivo o está en contacto cercano con una persona que es positiva, siga las órdenes de aislamiento y cuarentena. Si se siente mal, no vaya a trabajar y mientras esté en el trabajo o en el interior de cualquier otro lugar en público, use mascarilla. Si no está vacunado, solicite un respirador mientras esté en el trabajo y cumpla con otras normas de Cal-OSHA si se encuentra en un centro de atención médica o en un entorno congregado de alto riesgo. Y para todos nosotros, los clientes, también jugamos un papel positivo al usar un cubrebocas Cuando estamos dentro de un lugar de trabajo al no ir y al no ir a un lugar de trabajo, si no nos sentimos bien, mantengamos cierta distancia de las otras personas y por supuesto, para aquellos que no están vacunados, pero que pero son son estamos en grupos que han sido aprobados para recibir la vacuna, vacunarse lo antes posible es hace una gran diferencia. Mantener saludables a los trabajadores del condado de Los Angeles permite que nuestros negocios prosperen y es bueno para todos nosotros. Podemos hacer esto posible si todos ponemos de nuestra parte.
3: Gracias por su atención. Thank you so much, Monica. Thank and thank you to everyone for joining us today.
2: If you have any questions for us, you're welcome to send them to our media inbox at media at ph.lacounty.gov, and I thank you again for joining us today.
0: This episode of LA Public Health was produced by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov and follow us on social media at LA Public Health. My name is Steve Baldwin, and you've been listening to the LA Public Health podcast.